Welcome to another podcast. I'm using a lavalier mic, so hopefully it sounds okay, and um, I guess I'll see, right? So I am using batteries that I charged via solar power in my microphone today. So um, apparently they seem to work. I waited until, uh, you just heard scissors, I'm doing some mundane tasks right now. Um, it, it seems to have worked. I waited for the batteries to get down to nothing, and um, and they were zero in my microphone. My microphone uses AA batteries, and it's important in end times to have um, devices that run on batteries that you can easily find or recharge. So I bought a um, battery charger, a solar battery charger from China. Um, off of eBay, and I, um, let's see, I'm doing some mundane tasks, so I'm getting a little bit flustered at the same time, um, and it, um, it came in, and at first I got some batteries that had been sitting in a drawer and had them in charge in a long time, and tried it, and it didn't work. I had it sitting in a window for a week with, you know, um, I did that again. I got batteries that were down to nothing, and um, but this time, the the charger has four slots. It has slots for AA batteries and AAA batteries. So the last time I just put in the AA, but I read on the internet that the charger only works if you have all of the battery slots filled. So, um, so I had to go and find a couple of AA uh, rechargeable batteries, and I put those in, and then I put it in the window, and it was um, unseasonably sunny this past week, considering it's early spring, it was unseasonably sunny. So, uh, we, so it apparently worked. So a week of charging, it's on, let's see, looking at my microphone well it was at two and the microphone has up to four uh, levels but now since I've been recording it's down to one so maybe it's not a quality charge that I got but I got something so if it is some kind of apocalyptic scenario at least that's something so um, yeah I'm doing a mundane task you might hear stuff in the background organizing some paperwork and such um, sorry, since the last podcast, um, you know, I've been going around and I saw, um, the movie on, I don't know why anyone would pay. The latest trend is that movies are $20, 
uh, when they first come out if you want to get them. And I don't think this trend is working because who's going to pay $20 for a movie? But the Tom Hanks movie, News of the World, was out for $20. And I'm not going to watch something on Amazon for $20. Well, then I saw it on Redbox, which is only $1.80. So I got the News of the World DVD, and I liked it a lot. I'm going to get the book now. I'm not normally a Tom Hanks fan, but um, even though this movie was set in the past, I think it replicates an end times scenario. Okay, so the setting in the movie is Texas after the Civil War, and Texas, of all places, was extremely chaotic. And, um, you know, it had lost the war. There were Union soldiers down there um, organizing things, and they weren't very well liked. And, um, and there was a rich-poor scenario going on with the, you know, the people that funded the war down south were rich people. And, you know, of course, they had issues with, uh, you know, there were white people and there were uh, Indians and there were um, slaves and former slaves, you know, and um, people from Mexico. So Texas was really, you know, crazy. And, um, and it was dangerous to go around from town to town because there were highwaymen and the movie kind of deals with like what it might be like in a, in a post-apocalyptic free range scenario where you kind of had to leave the place that you lived in and you're trying to get somewhere else, but all the things that could be along the way. And of course, you know, in uh, the 1800s, they didn't have electricity in Texas. So, um, so, you know, if there's a, a post-apocalyptic free-range scenario, electricity probably won't be one of the things that's around. You know, granted, uh, some devices from before the... Um, uh, TV's going on for some reason. Some devices from before the apocalypse will still be around so you still might have like a hand crank radio or something like that even if there's no electricity and uh, the weaponry would probably be slightly better than it was in Texas at the end of the Civil War but you know there were a lot of things that were similar and, and you know imagine a life without the internet um, so Tom Hanks's character is he is um, going from town to town in Texas. He made a little career for himself after the death of his wife, uh, selling, um, doing like little shows from town to town where, and the movie's called News of the World, where he reads newspapers that he'd gotten, that he'd picked up all over the place. And you have to realize there's no internet, there's no national news broadcast. Uh, everything's in disarray because of the war. And he, um, his character was a former um, officer for the Confederates, and uh, you know, but he doesn't seem like he's he's a problematic person. You know, a lot of times we paint people who were in on the losing team as uh, being evil to the core, um, but he seems like a good-hearted person. And you have to remember that there was no way to get news. So he somehow got like the Philadelphia Inquirer and the Boston Globe and all these different newspapers. Um, and he goes town to town 
reading people the newspapers by candlelight at night, and he charges them ten cents each, and it, um, you know, it becomes, um, it's like his his job. You know, it's like a, you know, and and there were people in that era that that did that. Um, most famously, Mark Twain. He lost all of his money from his writing um, due to like bad investments and bad deals and stuff like that. So he um, he started going town to town doing monologues, and he made a fortune. Um, so in that era, it wasn't unheard of for people to go town to town. And the Tom Hanks character, he um, you know he adds like little jokes in between, and he knows how to read his audience. So he's pretty much the equivalent of a modern like um, uh, you know like one of these fake news Comedy Central type shows uh, where he's reading the news but also adding jokes in. You know, like Jay Leno, his monologue or something, adding like little comments in while he's reading the news. And the people are pretty captivated by stories of like people that, um, you know, were stuck in a coal mine accident or something that, uh, that appealed to them. So this, you know, brings up the topic of, um, you know, the keeper of, of knowledge and the importance of that in a post-apocalyptic scenario. And Texas after the war surely resembled a post-apocalyptic scenario. And I think this movie might be useful to watch for that. Eventually, Tom Hanks bumps into a, um, a girl, a little girl, and she is, um, her parents were killed by Native Americans, but she was adopted by the Native Americans, so she doesn't speak English. And this was another common thing, too. Um, people, you know, some people got co-opted by, um, by Native Americans. Uh, Olive Oatman is the most famous example. There's a whole town called Oatman uh, in Arizona that's dedicated to her. It's like, kind of like a fake country town where these burrows will walk up to you on Route 66. I think it's not far from Route 66. And, um, and you know, they do fake gunfights in the streets and stuff like that. But it's, it's a, you know, the town's totally bastardized, but it's, um, it's a reminder of, you know, past times. And he uh, has to... Um, he finds her, and then he finds some blue coat, you know, union officers. And he says, hey, what do I do? I found this kid. And um, they said, well, you know, there was some paperwork with her. Um, it looks like she has some surviving relatives in Florida. And, uh, you know, you're going that way anyway, so just bring her to Florida. So he has to go town to town. But, you know, along the way, not to spoil the story too much, I guess, there's a lot of danger on the roads between towns. Some towns have been co-opted by, um, by, you know, greedy, you know, uh, businessmen. You know, one town had like a, a greedy businessman who uh, had control over that town and he, he ventures into this town and, you know, he takes his life into his hands because he's reading the newspaper 
and the um, owner of that town doesn't agree with uh, free speech, obviously. And uh, so he gets into trouble there. Or there's, you know, highwaymen who try to abduct the kid. Um, and, you know, they probably have nefarious purposes. Uh, maybe they're child molesters or something. And how, how is that, you know, going to be um, in some post-apocalyptic scenario? There's going to be times where you have to defend yourself against all kinds of different situations. So, you know, from right for wrong. And now last podcast, I said it was important in your post-apocalyptic scenario, and you might want to start writing this now, is to have like um, a creed, a credo or something, where you state what the morality of your post-apocalyptic family, tribe, group, gang, whatever you're going to call it, will be. And you have uh, rules that you'll abide by, you know, that you won't um, uh, rape and pillage, and you won't murder for no reason, and you'll hold, um, you know, you'll have some semblance of jurisprudence and, and um, in legal proceedings if there is an issue. Um, it, you know, that you'll come up with some laws and, you know, they, that you'll engage in fair trade and, and things like that. Um, come out with some credos so that in your post-apocalyptic world, your followers know exactly what they are signing up for. And you might be able to get more followers that way if they see that you are a beacon of light and not a um, not just another opportunist that is taking advantage of this new this new dynamic that has happened. Um, all right, so I'm still at the one level of battery, so it's holding. So a week's worth of charge and some sunlight gave me some some juice. So that's a positive sign that this um, solar powered cheap thing that I bought off the internet is working. So I think if I bought a better one, it would work even better. But this would work in, a, in an emergency. If I had like maybe 10 of these, I could always be charging batteries and, um, and then find things that run off of batteries and have like the semblance of, um, of having electricity, you know, having traditional electricity, but it would all be battery powered. I could have radios going, and if there's no radio stations going, playing a DVD, um, and, uh, or something like that, or uh, maybe even get a video DVD player, um, or playing a cassette off of a old cassette player off of batteries that charge via the uh, sun. So that might not be a bad thing. Well, in any case, in your tribe, I'm thinking, you know, an important position that often gets glossed over is the keeper of knowledge. And the keeper of knowledge, and this is why when I do, I hear you knocking, and I pull two random names, sometimes it's an older person. And I say, well, you know, who might be feeble at this point, but they might be smart. So do you want that in your tribe? I think you do. If you could afford that, you know, just because someone can't necessarily help um, with things that require strength or speed um, or defense maybe, 
um, it's not a bad idea to have someone who could be a wise elder and you don't necessarily have to make the wise elder the chief of your of your tribe um, which some Native American tribes did it was like you know the oldest person was in charge um, but to have that person on is like a trusted advisor kind of like well you know we're in this situation here um, I'm the leader and another capable person is my uh, number you know number two and um, you know what should we do well let's ask you know um, Robert whatever the guy's name is uh, you know he's our keeper of knowledge and, and might know something and you know every little town or village board uh, when when the year comes around and they appoint new people they almost all have like a village or town historian they you know they elect they pick a judge to do like traffic offenses and they pick a um, you know they pick a, an assessor or you know to see how much the houses are worth um, but almost every town has an historian and this person is, you know, unofficially the keeper of knowledge. And so in your afterworld tribe, I think you will want to have that type of person around. Now, if you are that person, you're the person that likes maybe reading a book here or there, or, um, you're, you know, you sometimes come off as a know-it-all. You might want to tone that down a little, though, because the know-it-all could get into some trouble in a post-apocalyptic world. Um, but if you are a person that knows things and can be the voice of reason, um, that might be the role that you strive for, the keeper of knowledge role, if you don't have other skills. You know, if you want to survive somehow, you can survive as this, um, this savvy, smart person that other people rely on. Because even younger, like alpha um, people, alpha males and, and alpha females and stuff, they look up to older people. They, you know, look, look at, the, look at school. You have the old school um, principal and the, the old, uh, you know, teacher, the old professor, Mr. Chips. Um, you have these old type people and they generally get some respect, even though they, you know, if, if a 13 year old could beat them up, but they have, um, no one's going to beat them up because they have like this, this weight to them um, that you wouldn't mess with this person. So you might want to start developing that persona and, um, and start, you know, if you don't read enough now, maybe start reading some books. Get a subscription to the newspaper. Nowadays, it seems that so few people read the newspaper and a lot of people say, oh, I read it online, but they're really not reading it online. They're just, they're just looking at pictures of, um, you know, the number one story on, my, on Google today that showed up. Um, you know, like when you go to Google and they show you, here's some stories you might be interested in. And I don't think they were doing this for me because, or maybe they are. But the number one story that, that they showed um, that I might be interested in is some actress I'd never heard of went to a big event with... Um, with some revealing outfit on and no bra. That was the headline that she didn't wear a bra or something. And that, that's news. So don't, you know, that's not news. So um, subscribe to a regular newspaper, start reading it.
you'll just sound more knowledgeable and that might save your life that oh this is a person who is um knows a few things about the world and you know 40 years ago everyone read the newspaper and it was no big deal nowadays if you're a person that reads the newspaper they think wow this person might know something they're smarter shows how dumbed down as a society we've become um so start to do things like that and maybe you'll come off as like an alex trebek type person that they want to keep around in the next life oh we can't get rid of this person he knows a few things there's nothing worse than an older person who's dumb so you don't want to be like an older weak feeble person who also happens to be dumb they'll leave you out there with all the mutants uh to be eaten or whatever if you're just like some old dumb person and uh, you know sadly most old people are kind of dumb you know i don't want to say that you know it doesn't sound great to say um it doesn't sound like a good humanist thing to say that most old people are dumb but most of them seem kind of dumb you know and i don't know if they gave up somewhere along the line or if it's just that the majority of people are dumb and they just become old or the ones that are um smart maybe they just don't go to places that i would go to because i'm still in the world going to grocery stores and going to malls and things of that nature dmvs a lot of dumb people at the dmv um you know i'm still go in the world but maybe someone who is smart and old is now there somewhere else where they don't have to deal with the hoi polloi i still have to deal with the hoi polloi because i'm not i'm not that old yet all right so be the keeper of knowledge if you can be that or if you are the alpha in charge of a tribe then consider um employing a keeper of knowledge okay so that's what i'm thinking for today let's do and i hear you knocking okay everyone's favorite feature i hear you knocking but you can't come in so um i picked two names at this time i decided to do um radio so i was listening to the radio and the first two names that came across the radio that would be recognizable names to um our wide listening audience um i scribbled down and these are people now it's a post-apocalypse and we're in our bunker and it's uh you know we hear like the uh the uh uh, acrid rain falling you know and you can't go out it's like ah it's burning my skin and these people are knocking on our bunker door and please let us in you know please and uh we we look through the little people make sure they don't have a gun aimed at the people because they could shoot you through the people we look through the people and uh you know it's a little dark but we have uh you know we we could make out um we have a little light and we see someone in a football jersey and we see someone um with um like a five thousand dollar hairdo and designer clothes and we say oh it is aaron rogers and amanda gorman those are the two random names i picked okay so um who are these people in case you don't know uh, Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback 
for the Green Bay Packers NFL football team. All right. We'll, we'll get into his credentials in a little bit. Amanda Gorman is the Youth Poet Laureate of the United States of America, um, you know, right now. After the fall of the, of the national government, she'll just be an average person knocking on our bunker door. But she's the uh, Youth Poet Laureate. Okay, so please let us in. How did these two people get together and they ended up in my town knocking on my bunker? Who knows? Who knows? But they're, they're knocking on the bunker door. All right, so this is complicated. Um, there's a lot of variables here. I, you know, and I'm going to have some personal biases filter into this, I think, as well. Um, especially towards um, Aaron Rodgers. Um, he is a media darling. He gets a lot of positive press. I like watching football. I know some people like her. They put their politics into watching football. Oh, they're kneeling down or whatever. I'm not watching that league. It's like, get a life. It's football. Who cares if they're kneeling down? Who cares what they're doing? It's football. These guys had to practice for years since they were like eight years old. They're the best at football. They're better than us at football. You know, I tried. I played football. I didn't get to that level. So I can, I can, I can um, appreciate football. Anyway, um, Aaron Rodgers, he's like a media darling. They always like say, oh, he's the best quarterback in the league or one of, you know, one of the top two or three every year, every year. And why is this? Why is this? It's his teams are always pretty good, but there's a lot of like, you know, 10 and six. They're not like tearing up the world nine and seven or whatever they're not tearing up the world um so you know i think he has one super bowl in all these years maybe maybe one super bowl <sighs> brett Favre, who was the quarterback before him and was really the one who resurrected the packers because they had they had some success in the 60s and then they were horrible in the 70s and 80s. He resurrected them in the 90s. Brett Favre was the better quarterback. He, he won a lot of Super Bowls, and he was exciting. I don't know. I, I never see... I don't see this guy as being exciting enough to be like a gunslinger that wins you multiple Super Bowls. Um, second... Second... Um, he now is hosting or guest hosting Jeopardy. So somehow, you know, Jeopardy, the TV show, Alex Trebek, its host, died. Hopefully it's not a spoiler alert for you. He died um, earlier this year, not from COVID, and... The, the show has been trying out various people. And I go online and see everyone saying, oh, yeah, um, Aaron Rodgers is the best, um, tr you know, person to audition for taking over Alex Trebek's spot. I can't believe it. You know, it's, um, 
can't believe it. You know, it's like, all right, has this guy had a charmed enough life that he not only could be an NFL quarterback that gets, you know, everyone kisses up to him and says he's the best in the league, and it's like they, they're all these fanboys who, who follow him, and now he can go on Jeopardy, which is an intellectual show, and um, and now everyone loves him there. So I watched it last night. I said, I'm going to put this on. You know, what what the hell? I, I don't like Aaron Rodgers. I, you know, I, I think he's overrated. What what the hell's going on? And so I look, and um, and he um, he seems laid back, and he can read the questions, I guess. Although he's a little bit of a monotone, I found myself get hard listening to the questions as he was reading them, but. Then there's like that little part of the show where he interviews the guests. And these are three uber nerds. All right, they they were uber nerds. Like they they were just they could have been you could have put them in the movie Revenge of the Nerds in the nerd um frat house and they would have fit right in. They were uber nerds. One guy said that he didn't get his driver's license till he was 28 years old. You know, another one was like this paunchy, balding guy that um, he, he does things, you know, his hobbies are, are um, doing things for people's civ- civil liberties. And and then another woman, she just had like these glasses and had like this nerd face to her that just was, uh, I, I couldn't even, she was so gawkish looking and she came in third place. Um, and she just, and she did nerdy things like towards the end, she was way behind, um, but she had she got the daily double, and if she had dub, bet double her money, she could have been within contention to possibly win the game, um, because the person in the lead had like twenty thousand dollars, and she had like maybe five thousand dollars, right? And this was one of the last questions. So if she doubled her money, she would be at about ten thousand, a little you know over ten thousand. And then on the final Jeopardy, if she got it and bet everything, and the person with twenty thousand dollars didn't get the question right, she would win the show. So she had a, a chance to win the game right there, and she only bid two thousand dollars. Um, makes no sense, but that's something, you know, a nerd would do. Uh, it's, this is why they're a nerd because they can't, they can't take that little gamble and that's why they'll be quickly gone in our post-apocalyptic life. All right. So, um, so she loses the game, of course, in the final Jeopardy, um, question was um it wasn't that hard so and and she did get the the two thousand dollar question right but if she had bet five thousand she could have been in contention so um i didn't i i just watched it till they gave the answer at the end to um ensure that i knew it and i knew it um it was about sir isaac newton and that what was the first 
um, word in two of his most popular um, equations, and, the, and it's force. Uh, force. Um, and she, uh, she knew it, and, you know, they go with the losers first, and she didn't, but I didn't, I didn't stick around to see if the guy that was way in the lead, um, had got it right, so this, it just made me so angry. So, he's the host of this show, and he's like this, people consider him a Hall of Fame quarterback, way overrated, but whatever. And everyone's online going, oh, he's doing such a great job, this Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, he's a big guy in a, a suit trying to look like he's a host. Um, I think most of the people online, they're either um, heterosexual women that, you know, kind of have a little crush on him. Or, you know, I find this in the world, a lot of men, even if they're heterosexual, seem to have man crushes. And uh, they probably have a crush on him, too. So it's probably why the guy's getting so much um, love online for his very monotone delivery and his inability to relate to these nerdy um, contestants. So, uh, you know, it's like, that's Aaron Rodgers. Well, the other person knocking on our door is Amanda Gorman, who made a lot of headlines as the poet who read, um, you know, she, her rhymes are horrible. She has a lot of cliches and, um, and her poetry could use a lot of tightening, but anyway, who cares, right? Who cares? Um, poet laureate, she has room to grow and she's a young woman. Um, poet laureate, um, for youth poet laureate in America who read at the Biden inauguration and got a lot of headlines and was dressed very nicely and, and um and had nice hair and, and um uh seems personable. She seems like she has some integrity too. Like after her appearance she got a lot of offers to do ads and she didn't do the ones that she thought were um creepy or whatever or uh she said there's more to life than money. Um I don't think Aaron Rodgers is necessarily money driven per se, but um I think they're both knocking on our door. I'm going with Gorman for a lot of reasons. It's she's younger. She's about, I don't know, I guess 10 years younger, 12 years younger. I'm not sure Aaron, Aaron Rodgers' name, age. She seems like he's early to mid-30s, and she's early 20s. Okay, so um, younger, um, less annoying. Uh, you know, hey, it's my bunker. I don't want everyone fawning over, hey, Aaron Rodgers is now in the bunker. I'm going to admit a little bit of jealousy here. So, um, I'm letting in Amanda Gorman. They both probably are intelligent. You know, you're not going to host Jeopardy, even as a guest host, if you can't. Because there's a lot to know. You know, you can't be a total idiot and host Jeopardy. I'm sure they go over it before the show, like how to do some of the... Uh, you know, the Latin or French or, or, you know, there's, there's a lot of foreign words in, um, in the, in the questions and answers. Um, so I'm sure they go over it with them beforehand, but they both seem probably intelligent enough. And Aaron Rodgers obviously has a stronger body. Um, and you know, maybe they both would be amenable, but would be like, all right, we understand this is your bunker, and 
Um, you know, we'll just take a secondary role. Uh, you know, we're not going to try to take over your tribe. Um, but I just feel like Amanda Gorman probably eats less food and takes up less air. And she seems personable enough, and she could maybe be our um, keeper of knowledge, you know, because she likes to write, you know, and, and do her journals and things like that. So she can keep a journal of our of our story, and then someday when the world recreates itself, our story will be the dominant story, and we'll be the Adam and Eve, instead of having Aaron Rodgers and being the Adam and Steve. All right, so that's the end of that. All right, so um, while I was listening to the radio, I wrote down some songs that would be a good playlist as the world's ending. So, of course, The End of the World as We Know It by R.E.M. That's That has to be the number one end of the world song. All right, I can't think of anything better. Um, Life During Wartime by The Talking Heads. It's like, you know, load up the weapons and we're ready to go, you know, blah, blah, blah. End of the uh, world. But the Talking Heads also have Nothing But Flowers, which is about, uh, you know, after a catastrophic event, the earth coming back and taking over, you know, what was a pizza hut is now a, corn, is now a flower field or whatever. So Nothing But Flowers, you know, after mankind's reign, uh, earth will just reinvent itself. The Final Countdown song by Europe. It's a little bit of an um, uh, dramatic song. But it's about like the final countdown before the nuclear button is pressed. 99 Luftballons, Luftballons by Nena, or 99 Red Balloons, about how um, a nuclear war happens because um, a radar, a nuclear you know, sensing radar, um, miss... Um, miscategorizes a blip and thinks it's a nuclear weapon and then a nuclear war happens um but really it was just 99 um balloons and really it's not in the german it's not red balloons but they had to add a syllable because german has way more syllables than english so luft luft balloons are just balloons helium balloons um but helium's too many Syllables, so they just made them red for the English version. So, um, and then you know, just as for quality, um, I thought let's add the end of the line by the Traveling Wilburys. And I think Traveling Wilburys, strangely enough, kind of flew under the radar when they were around in the I guess it was the late 80s, early 90s. And it was like all these all stars, like George Harrison and Tom Petty and um, and Bob Dylan, and uh, like they had all these all stars in the band. And Roy Orbison, uh, they even brought him because he was like from the Elvis era, and he had this golden voice. And when you listen to the Traveling Wilburys before he died, he had like it was such a nice tribute to him to bring him back. And his voice is the best of, out of the bunch. Um. So like what a what a band what an all star band, um, and I think they they did have some hits when they were around, but no one was like hey the traveling Wilburys I can't believe it you know it was it was okay this is cool 
But I think their style of music wasn't in vogue when they came out. You know, people were kind of tired out of the Beatles and um, Tom Petty and stuff. And then they had kind of a comeback in the later 90s. Um, but, you know, that might have been a lull for that type of music. So these people getting together maybe wasn't that big a deal. But looking at it now, it was kind of a big deal. Now, one of my beefs is Roy Orbison. He died. And he has heirs. He had a wife, I guess, or maybe an estranged wife. And he had sons. And he's buried in California. And he doesn't have a gravestone. I think that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. His family can't get together. They're they're taking his royalties. They're they're earning his they're earning money from all his hard work, and they can't give the guy a, a gravestone, you know, like a three thousand dollar gravestone or something. You can't do that for him, even if he was the worst father in the world. There's people out there who like him, and they're visiting this celebrity graveyard, and then there's just this vacant plot that's for Roy Orbison. Like what 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 the hell? Someone should do maybe a GoFundMe and get him um, a gravestone. You know, find out what the rules are of that cemetery and, uh, and you know, get it done. Get her done. Okay, well, in any case, that's the end of End Times Podcast. Uh, find this on endtimespodcast.com. We try to come out every Wednesday morning. Sometimes there's minor delays. And um, send me a message if you'd like. So you can go to facebook.com slash endtimesradio and send me a message and I'll um, maybe refer to it. All right, until next time, End Times Podcast. Oh